Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to find with me Exodus chapter 33. I want to pick up where we left off. I want to talk about when the church praise. When the church prays, we are in a season where I believe God is doing amazing things. Honestly, the church is bigger than it's ever been. The church is growing. Our online campus has, has grown dramatically. And I just know that 2021 is going to be an amazing year for the church. I also know this, that one of the things that makes a difference is not only when you and I pray privately, personally, but when we as a church pray corporately. We saw last time that there were two tents of meeting that were mentioned. There was the little tent of meeting that Moses would go outside the camp and he would pitch a tent and it was called the tent of meeting and it was there that he met with God. Then we saw there was another tent of meeting, the tabernacle where the community met for the purpose of worshiping and seeking the Lord as a community. And the glory of the Lord was there in a way that was similar but unique. Both tents involved the presence of God. Both tents involved a meeting with God. And you can't, you can't have one and ignore the other. We need them both in our life because they both add value and experience of the presence of the Lord. Let's look at Exodus chapter 33 just by way of reminder. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. So the the Talmud said it was five-eighths of a mile uh, from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp, Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. Later it says in those verses that God would talk to Moses face to face as a man talks with his friend. It was powerful. It was a personal moment of interaction with the Lord. And every single one of us can have that. And every single one of us benefits from that. And there is a power in personally meeting with the Lord. But there is also a power that comes when we together, as a group of believers, meet with the Lord. They had the tabernacle, the corporate tent of meeting, and powerful things happened there. In fact, when you read through the Old Testament, several times the glory of the Lord appears, several times it's accompanied by fire, several times things happen that are shocking, that are startling. We won't take time to look at all of them, but we can look at, for example, Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You read on and you find that the glory of the Lord was so powerfully present, Moses couldn't go in. 
Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know what that felt like. But here you have a man whose face glows with the glory of God. Here you have a man who ate a meal in the presence of the Lord, saw the God of Israel with a sapphire pavement under his feet. That's in Exodus 24. He's watching. He's seeing God. He's talking with God face to face. And yet... The glory of the Lord in that corporate gathering is so great, he can't go in. Imagine it. We read in the book of Leviticus chapter 9, Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. Again, this is the tabernacle. And when they came out, they blessed the people, very similar to what we do at the close of our service. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all of the people. We don't know exactly. Now, what does that mean? If you have a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, and that is the glory of the Lord, but now there is additional glory of the Lord. They're gathered together, and when it appears, a fire came out from before the Lord, consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar, and when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. We don't know whether they passed out, which would not be uncommon in Scripture to have such an encounter with God that you're gone. It happened to Daniel, it happened to John, it happened on the Mount of Transfiguration with the disciples and Jesus as he was transfigured. There's something about the presence of the Lord and the experience of his presence that can cause people to lose consciousness. It's a very interesting thing. It's a powerful demonstration of the Lord's presence. All of that to say, personal time with God is absolutely critical. It's important to have time alone with God. But personal time doesn't replace corporate time of God's people gathering together and experiencing the glory of the Lord. It's very, very interesting. I can't explain it, but I know this, uh, that in the prayer meeting, many of you have been there, not everybody's been there, and I'd encourage you to, to come. And, and that's a part of what I want through this message, to encourage you to consider the value of, of what happens when we pray together. But I know this, the last Wednesday night in December that we had the prayer meeting, I was walking with one of the pastors out of the meeting at the close of the meeting, and I'm getting to the doorway, and when I step out in the hallway... All of a sudden, the difference between the presence of the Lord in this place, in this room, and in the hallway was palpable. I turned to the staff, it just so shocked me, I turned to the staff member, I said, God is in that room. He's meeting with the people. And when I stepped out, you could tell a, a very interesting difference. That's why I want to talk to you about the power of when the church prays. Because when the church prays, powerful things happen. We started the prayer meeting in January, on January 7th, 1998. When we started the prayer meeting, it was the result of, a, of an acknowledgement on my part that though the church at that point was seven years old, and though the church had grown, and though the church was a good church, it wasn't a praying church. And that really bothered me because God's heart for his house is that it would be a place of prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. And I realized though we had 
moments of prayer in the service. As a church, we were never on a regular basis gathering for prayer, and that if, if that was the case, then we were missing something. And so we started the prayer meeting. And we began to pray, and as we began to pray from that moment on, I can prove it empirically, I can prove it statistically. At that moment, from that time on, exponentially, God began to do things in this church that had never happened before. Exponentially, we saw more and more people saved. Do you realize that before the prayer meeting, our biggest Easter, and, and we would have thousands attend, our biggest Easter never had more than 10 people saved? Think of it. Now we're used to seeing hundreds of people come to Christ. Prior to that time, we never had a year, I don't think, where we had more than maybe a, a hundred and... Uh, 30 people that were baptized. After that, hundreds of people were getting baptized. Those are just a few of the examples of what happens when a church prays. God moves in a way he wasn't moving before. Does God move? Yes. Does God move in some places more than others? Yes. Is there a reason for it? Yes. And when you look at the book of Acts, what you see is when the church prays, God does powerful things. The church in Acts, which Acts is a record of the early church for those who are new. It's a book that follows the gospel account. It's right after Jesus ascends into heaven. He dies, he's resurrected, he ascends into heaven. And now we have the story of what happens with the disciples. How do they function? And, and when you read it, you find they're committed to prayer. They pray, and because they pray, God does powerful things. The church is birthed out of a prayer meeting. When they get in trouble, they pray, and they watch God work. So what I'd like to do is just, in the next few moments, look briefly at Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. So you can turn there in your Bible. You can find it on your phone. Acts chapter 12. Let's read it, beginning in verse 1. And about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John. Remember, two disciples two of the 12 disciples of Jesus, James and John. This is that James. He's beheaded. And when he saw, when Herod saw that pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, I want to take just a moment because when you see the name Herod, that name appears a lot in the New Testament. And it's, it's frankly just not always the same person. There are three Herods to consider. Well, there's four, but uh, three for our purposes in the New Testament. First of all, there's Herod the Great. He's the, the Jewish king at the time of the birth of Jesus, who the wise men met with. And then he slaughtered all of the babies in Bethlehem trying to kill baby Jesus. Then in the gospel record, we read of another Herod. He, is, he was a son of Herod the Great. His name was Antipas. And so Antipas was one of the surviving sons. Herod the Great had killed three of his sons, killed his wife, his, uh, her brother, his, uh, her mother. He killed a lot of people. He was a, a psychopath. Antipas wasn't a lot better. He was... Um, the king who killed John the, the Baptist. He's also the Herod who interviewed Jesus. Pilate sent him over to Herod, and Herod interviewed him, and Jesus said nothing to him. Then there is the Herod we read in Acts chapter 12. 
Herod Agrippa. He is the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great killed his father. When his father was killed, Agrippa was sent to Rome. And when he was there in Rome, he was educated with the nobility of Rome. And he became good friends with a person by the name of Caligula. Caligula would become a Roman emperor. Herod was a, a wild person, ran up a lot of debts. And on one occasion, he said to Caligula, I wish Tiberius, who was the current emperor, was dead so you could be the emperor. A servant heard him say that, and the servant told Tiberius, and he had Agrippa put in prison. He was in prison for six months, and at the end of six months, Tiberius died, and Caligula became the Roman emperor, and he freed Agrippa, and he gave him a gold chain that was equal to the weight of the chain he wore in prison for those six months. Agrippa petitioned Caligula to make him king of Palestine. Initially, they only gave him a portion of the land of Israel. He went back, and while he was there, he worked to depose his uncle Antipas, and eventually he became king of all of the area that Herod the Great had reigned over. You say, now, why am I giving, why are you giving us this big history lesson? The reason is because when you read the text, what you find is, here's Agrippa. He's, he's, not well, he's not well liked in Rome. He doesn't have many friends, only the emperor. He's racked up a lot of debts. He's trying to stay in the good graces of the emperor. The only way he can do that is if he keeps peace in the land. And the best way to keep peace in the land is to make sure the Jewish leaders are satisfied. The Jewish leaders want the church stamped out. And so that is why we read what we read when you come to Acts chapter 12, verse 3, when he saw that it pleased the Jews. He doesn't technically have anything against the disciples, but it makes the Jewish leadership happy to see them eradicated. So he beheads James, is going to kill Peter, and he has Peter arrested. And that sets the stage for what we want to talk about relative to the power of when a church prays. Watch what happens, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So the church begins to pray. They're, they're not just, it's not just, a, Lord, you know, if you could help Peter, that'd be really great. And now, anybody else have a request? No, it's fervent prayer. They're really calling on God earnestly, storming heaven, saying, God, you've got to help Peter. You've got to spare Peter's life. That verse sets the stage for three things I want you to notice. Number one, when the church prays, miracles happen. When you and I pray, miracles happen. When the church prays, miracles happen. There are some miracles that will come as a result of you getting along with God. There are other miracles that will only come as a result of you being in the presence of the Lord with other believers. I realize this as I'm saying that. There are people watching online. Some of you live halfway around the world. I mean, we've got people that are watching from South America. We've got people that are watching from India. We've got people watching from Myanmar in the first service. I mean, people watching all over the world. You obviously can't be here for the prayer meeting physically, but you can watch online and be a part of the prayer meeting. 
in person, online. The church gathering to pray is a powerful thing. And when the church prays, miracles happen. Watch this, Acts chapter 12, verse 6. Now, this, the church is praying, that's verse 5. Here's the result. Anytime the church prays, there's a result. Anytime the church prays, angels are at work. Anytime the church prays, God is doing what would not have normally happened. Anytime the church prays, people are set free. Anytime the church prays, the, the, the forces of darkness are driven back as the gospel advances. Watch this. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. So they've got guards at the door. They've got a soldier on each side. They bound, they've chained those soldiers to Peter. What does it say about Peter? Peter's asleep. He knows the next day he could be killed, but he's, he's at rest, trusting in the Lord. It's an amazing picture of the peace of God, which passes all understanding in the midst of trial. When we set our heart and our mind on him, Isaiah said, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. That's Peter. He's sleeping like a baby there between the two guards. And behold, whenever you see that, stop, because this is saying, this is going to blow your mind. Can you believe this? An angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the south. What is that? It's the glory of God coming via an angel into this dark cell. And as that's, that angel is shining, he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. So he kicks him on the side. And he wakes him up saying, get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. So here he is, he's chained, and all of a sudden the chains fall off. The two dudes on either side, they are out. And he gets up, the angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals. He did so, and he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. I mean, Peter thinks he's dreaming. Listen, when the church prays, things can happen to you that would seem like they're a dream. I mean, it's so powerful. This is, and when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them of its own accord. It just opens. This is, this is an amazing scene. Watch, they, they're past the first and second guard, and the guards don't see them. I mean, we read this too fast. They're walking by, and they're invisible. That is, man, I'd like to have that happen just once. I don't know about, you know, probably, you know, probably be a bad deal if I was in jail. But if I can, if I can get out by being invisible, wouldn't that be awesome? So they go, they go by the first guard, they're invisible. Second guard, they're invisible. You know why I'm taking time with this? Because I want everybody to understand the incredible miracles that happen when we pray. That's what the Bible is teaching us here, that when we pray, nothing's impossible. It, it, it would blow your mind what God would do when you and I are praying and what God does do. And they went out 
and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him, so gone. All of a sudden, Peter is standing alone in the street, and when Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. Listen, when, when we pray, miracles happen. When, when we're gathered together, we could go through and we could name miracles we've seen God do as a church. We could talk about the weather at ILA, I Love America, year after year after year, the way we saw storm systems part. One time, one time on one year, there was uh, one of the rock stations in town, the next week had a discussion ongoing because right at the viaduct where the land was, the overpass where the land was, it was raining on one side and not on the other, and a reporter was they're reporting that, and so they had a big debate over whether God would really do that. <laughs> Another time, the, the radar shows this big front, and it opens up, goes around where the, where the 4th of July celebration is held, and closes back up and moves on. And the big, the big question was, does God really, through prayer, change the weather? What's the answer? Yes, he does. I mean, we could go on. We could talk about different times God has opened doors and how God has worked. We could talk about the things that we've seen, the people that have been healed. Maybe you've been healed. You've experienced the power of God in a supernatural way, and it wouldn't have happened in your prayer closet alone. It took gathering as a church to pray, and in the presence of God, with the glory of the Lord here, God did what he wouldn't normally do otherwise. So God works when we pray. And here's the thing. We, when, when you and I are praying, we, we are we're experiencing the presence of the Lord and his working. Let me just encourage you as well. You can fill out prayer cards online. We can pray for your needs. Even though we don't have prayer for the sick right now, I'm saying to those watching online, to everybody here, grab a prayer card, go online, tell us how we can pray for you. And when we gather as a church, I believe God's going to meet those needs in Jesus' name. Amen? Well, Acts chapter 12, we read on. And when he realized this... He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. So th this woman was obviously wealthy. She has a church meeting in her home. The church in that day didn't have buildings like we have now. They met in the houses, usually of wealthy patrons. Here's Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. So this is the author of the Gospel of Mark. It's his mother's house, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he, that's Peter, knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Now, I want you to think about something here. They've had a prayer meeting praying what? God, set Peter free, set Peter free, set Peter free, save him, deliver him. The servant girl comes in and says, guess what? Peter's free. And they said to her, are you nuts? <laughs> Times haven't changed, huh? The Lord understands us. We pray. Have you ever prayed and prayed? And then it happens. And you're like, get out of town. I can't believe God did that. That's like crazy. 
That was happening in the early church. That was happening with the apostles. You know, sometimes we have the idea that the people there were like, like on a whole different level than we are. I'm not saying they didn't know some things because of their encounters with Jesus that we may not yet know. I'm just simply saying they were human just like us. And here they are. They're saying, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. You say, why would they say that? Because Jewish tradition, this is not in the Bible, but Jewish tradition in in subquadrants of the Jewish faith held that people's guardian angels look like them, which is an interesting thought, but... Not so. Okay, let's read on here. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. They were like blown away. They were like, oh my goodness, it is Peter. They couldn't believe it. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. When we pray, miracles happen. I'm just telling you, when, when we gather on Wednesday night, angels are at work. Not just in this room. Angels are working in the places that we're praying about. When we pray, people are being set free. People are being set free of life-controlling problems, of addictions. People are being set free from, from the bondage of emotions, from demonic oppression. People are being set free from illnesses and sicknesses. When we pray, powerful things are happening. This is a tangible picture of the things that happen when the church prays. Because when the church prays, miracles happen. Number two, when the church prays, I'm going to stop for just a moment, just quickly. I believe God wants to do miracles. If you need a miracle, stand right where you're at right now. You need a miracle. You just stand right now. Cross out a trumpet. You need a miracle. Just stand right now. Okay, we see where all of these people are. Here's what I want us to do. I want all of us to stand. If you stood, lift your hand. So we just have, and what I want you to do, I just want you to look where those people are. If you're at home watching online, you stand, you lift your hand if you need a miracle. If you're at the North Campus, the West Campus, the Joplin Campus, right now the church, James River Church, is going to pray. We're going to believe God's going to do something powerful. Do you believe that? Come on, you begin to pray. Let's call on God right now. You ask God, let's believe. Lord, we're asking right now that, Lord, you would do miracles in your church in the lives of people. Oh, God, we see in the book of Acts how you delivered Peter, and there's nothing that's too difficult for you. Oh, God, I don't know what the miracles are that are needed in this place or at Joplin or online or at the West Campus or at the North. But God, you see every hand, you know every heart, you're aware of every need, and oh God, we pray that you would deliver in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would heal in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would set people free in the name of Jesus. We pray, oh God, that your angels would be at work, that God, there would be deliverance supernaturally that would happen, and God, we thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Come on, let's put our hands together and bless the Lord. You may be seated. It's a house of miracles, right? When we pray, it's a place of miracles. Well, number two, 
When the church prays, God does more than we ask. Here's one of the mysteries of prayer. It's a very interesting thing. As we're praying, God works in response to our prayers in ways that go beyond our prayers. Let me just say it again. When we pray, God works in response to our prayers in ways that go beyond our prayers. And here's part of the reason why, because as we're praying, we're praying, Lord, we just want your kingdom power. We want your kingdom will. We want what, what we want heaven's will to be expressed on earth. And God's will is so big. His will is so grand. His goodness is so great that when we pray that as a part of our prayers, it, it does things in response to our prayers that go beyond our prayers. I mean, you see this, this is not, I mean, this is something that's reaffirmed in Scripture. For example, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do what? To do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. In other words, you and I are praying, we're asking, we're imagining God working. But guess what? God does more, not just more. He does more than you can measure. He does more than you can comprehend. He does more than you can understand. He's a God who does more than you can ask, more than you think. He loves to do more. When we're praying, God does more. Now, you see this in the book of Acts. It's very, very interesting. In Acts chapter 12, the passage is bracketed by the mention of Herod. Look at this. Now, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Verse 23, immediately, so this is in the centers where Peter's delivered. Peter's arrested by Herod. He's delivered from Herod. Herod interviews the guards. They're like, man, we never saw anything. We never heard anything. We don't know anything. And Herod's like, oh, really? Well, you're dead. And he executed him. So, I mean, the, the guy's ruthless. Now he's meeting with some other leaders from Tyre and Sidon, and they're in a trade dispute. And they're trying, to, they're trying to, to impress him. So when he shows up in his silver robe and the sun hits it, they say, this is the voice of a God, not a man. In other words, they ascribe to him deity, and he didn't stop it. And God struck him down immediately. An angel of the Lord struck him. That's Herod Agrippa down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Listen, he was a problem at the beginning of the chapter. He is judged at the end of the chapter. You say, did, God, did the church pray for that to happen? We have no record that they prayed for that. God did more than they asked. He removed a persecutor of the church. Listen, when you and I pray, and this is the value of being in the prayer meeting, there are 10,000 things you need you know nothing about. There's 100 things you're going to face in the next several days you aren't even aware of. But when you set your heart on seeking God, God has established they're taking care of my business. I'm going to take care of theirs. 
You say, where's that in Scripture? Oh, Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God says, you take care of my business, I'll take care of yours. Listen, you, you, some people, I think you're making a, a, a tactical error in how you do life. You say, well, you know what? I'm tired, I gotta get ready for tomorrow for business, for blah, 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 I gotta get my rest. All of that, I get that. You take care of his business, he'll take care of yours. I don't know what you, if your business is energy, if you're saying, I, I'm going to have to have energy, he'll take care of that. Whatever it is, you put him first, watch what he'll do in your life. He will go beyond in a thousand ways you never imagined. God will help you because you prayed. When you and I pray, miracles happen. When the church prays, when the church prays, God does more than we ask. And when we pray, the church grows. And by that, I mean through people getting saved. Look at it in Acts chapter 12. But the word of God increased and multiplied. In the message it says, meanwhile, the ministry of God's word grew by leaps and by bounds. What happens right after Acts 12? The church is praying. The church is seeking the Lord. What happens? The, the, the ministry of the word goes forth. It goes forth in such power that in the very next chapter, we read about the, another prayer meeting where the Holy Spirit says, set apart Paul and Barnabas to the work to which I've called them. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not for the Apostle Paul, Europe doesn't get the gospel. If Europe doesn't get the gospel, you don't hear the gospel, and you're in darkness. I mean, it's a really an amazing thing. The gospel advances when we pray. Listen, can I just tell you that when a church prays, God does something so incredible, so beyond human explanation. I mean, just take James River. Just let, when you see the building, look at it as an example of what God does. I mean, everything about this place defies human reason. I mean, how could you have a church of this scale and this influence in a hard-to-get-to city in Missouri. I mean, seriously, it's true. It's, it's not, when we invite speakers, they all say it's hard to get here, but it's worth coming. You know, that's kind of how they express it. It's not easy to get here, but it's worth it. It's not an easy place to get to. It's not a big place. It's not even really, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but I mean, Springfield isn't really a city, it's a big town. I mean, it's not that big an area. But there's this massive church that has the largest women's conference, church women's conference in the country. That's unbelievable. There's this, there's this church that has the largest church men's conference in the country. How do you explain that? There's this church that, that is doing all these different things and influencing all these places. And I'm telling you, there's some exciting things coming up that we'll be sharing with you. But I mean, you look at the, the scale, the impact of the church. And it all goes back to the prayer meeting and to seeking the Lord. And what God does in the church, you do in your life. He wants to do when you spend time in the presence of the Lord, personally, 
but you do it publicly. He'll multiply the time back to you, and he'll do it powerfully. It'll be more than just time repaid. It will be time multiplied by power as the Lord sets his hand on you. Listen, one hour in his presence, and sometimes we can, we can take it for granted and just think, oh, it's just how it is. But you know, it's like when the guest speaker that came Wednesday night, Alan Chrissy, and, and you know, I mean, like I said, we've been friends for, for 23 years, we've known them. Al said over and over again, uh, Chrissy's husband, he said, brother, do you, do you realize the glory of the Lord that was there? And, and I'm, I'm not saying that to brag. If there's anything to brag about, it's, it's the Lord's goodness. But just simply to, to say in the words of the psalm, psalmist in Psalm 34, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Better, the psalmist says, is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. And I'm just saying, when this church, I believe the best is yet to come, and Debbie and I are praying for the day when every, every single auditorium is filled to capacity. I realize right now during COVID that's not possible, but someday every auditorium, every seat filled with people calling on God regularly, not because of a crisis, but regularly calling on the Lord. That I'm just telling you, as I was sitting there thinking about the message this morning, I'm sitting right over there during the worship. I really felt the Lord spoke to my heart. There is, there is something the Lord is going to do at this church. And when I say that, online campus, any of the other campuses, I'm not saying South Campus, I'm saying all the campuses that will absolutely blow our minds away. I'm just telling you, there's an accumulating weight of grace. There is a growing grace of the Lord on the church because your praying, your praying is making a difference and the best is yet to come. And I can't quite put in words what the Lord put in my heart. I'm just telling you, something is going to happen. Something more powerful than we have ever seen that will be, will bring in a new season. I'm just saying when we pray, powerful things are going to happen. And we're, we're sitting in a place and in a time where God is desiring to show his power. Come, see, taste, watch what God will do when the church prays, powerful things happen. Amen.